There is just article after article after article coming out about the mental health and anxiety, you know, in our kids, the, the, the crisis we're facing and what we've been doing isn't working. And so we have to find answers. And those answers lie in taking care of yourself mentally, physically. This is Brett Clark, and you are listening to Voices from the Field, insights from educators who are positively impacting student learning in the classroom. In this episode, Shelley Taylor, a senior director from the Consortium for Educational Change, talks with Lucia Mastrodemus. She is a former teacher and administrator who now runs Arini Yoga and Wellness. Lucia shares that in order for educators to be able to take care of their students, they must first take care of themselves. So you were a very successful and accomplished school administrator. What prompted you to shift gears and focus on wellness coaching? That is a great question. I um, did enter administration the last five years of my career in education and pretty much right away realized that there was a different kind of stress level than being in the classroom. Um, so I, I noticed right away I wasn't handling things well personally. Um, my weight started to blossom. I was a lot more stressed. Uh, anxiety shot through the roof. And I was becoming less effective at work because of that. And then, of course, that translates to your personal life. So you're a little shorter at home with your family and maybe a little too tired to do things with friends. So I decided I needed to do something. So I wandered into a yoga studio. To be honest with you, they had an open house and a table of snacks. So I thought, let me go in and see what this is all about. And they were quite friendly and I was very intimidated by yoga. At the time I started, I was 195 pounds, which was the heaviest I'd ever been. And while I don't focus on the weight in terms of the number on the scale, I am 5'2", so it was causing a lot of issues with breathing and just movement, uh, back aches, knee pain, things like that. So I thought, why not? I'll try it. Um, I really did enjoy yoga uh, right away because it was a dark candlelit room with no ability to be contacted by cell or email. So the big sign on the door that says no cell phones allowed was another selling point for me. And um, honestly, I just needed a quiet space. So it was one of those um, activities that I went into it not knowing what to expect. I wasn't quote unquote any good at yoga, which is what I hear a lot of people say. I definitely wasn't flexible. And that really is what started me on the journey to wellness. So that was, uh, you know, back in 2011. So it wasn't an instant transformation by any means. I had a lot of ups and downs during you know, those, those years. And uh, the weight still stayed on. It came off. It was kind of a yo-yo type thing. And then I decided to seek out the help of a health coach myself. And that's really where the pieces started to fit together. Um, I thought, wow, if someone can help me feel this way, can I do this for someone else? Can I make someone be a better father, a better mother, a better employee? And lo and behold, there's an entire industry out there devoted to wellness and wellness coaching. And in fact, it's a growing field. So really the, um, the, the, the impetus was not any one thing. It was in initially the stress of my job as a new administrator. And then as I like to say a lot to my clients, life happened to me, um, losing parents, aunts, you know, things like that. Um, and so I, the more and more life happened, the more I realized I needed to get a hold of my health and well-being so that I could be that more effective employee, that better friend, daughter, et cetera, et cetera. 
So when you think about those five core competencies of social emotional learning, so self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, relationship skills, and responsible decision-making, what role do these play in the work that you do with your clients? They're key. Uh, I would say self-awareness right away is the one that resonates with me. I think that when I can be that reflective mirror, which is what I what I see myself as when I talk to clients, and they are more self-aware of their habits, their mind, their thought process, their behaviors, they are better able to make choices from an informed standpoint. So one of the quotes I like is with awareness, bring space for choice. So when you're aware that you have a certain trigger that causes you to emotionally eat, or when you're aware that someone in particular at work maybe knows how to push your buttons and you instantly react, you you don't have a, you don't have choice. You you are then playing catch up. You are reactive to your um, habits, and so I believe that all of those areas that you mentioned are key areas of focus for my clients. I, I can't say any one of them that you mentioned are not areas that we focus on. Self reflection is hard work. When you really dig down deep and find out the reasons you're doing things, and you get real, so to speak, with yourself, it's really hard to keep engaging in those, those self-sabotaging habits. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So I know that you intimately know school systems. You spent 20 plus years in school systems. Um, why do you think staff wellness is a critical topic for schools to even consider? Um, and maybe some people even listening might be wondering why we're even having this conversation with a wellness coach. Where do you see that intersection? Oh gosh, wellness. <laughs> I don't know one industry that can't benefit from a focus on wellness. And I believe that in the 20 plus years that I started in education, as, as you all know, things have changed. Um, there is a lot, a lot more pressure and stress on students, which means there's a lot more pressure and stress on teachers. Mandates have come down, new laws, new testing. Um, the world is just a more complicated place. So if you're not taking care of yourself, if you don't have that relationship with yourself, how are you going to be the best teacher? How are you going to notice the signs of stress, anxiety, and uh, perhaps uh, negative behavior patterns in your students? So I, I don't know how it can't be a focus. Um, our kids are coming to us in schools with greater needs, with less support at home in some cases, and they're at school more hours than they are a day at home. In, in, most days except the summer. And so the teacher functions not only as their, um, you know, their, their educator, the one who's, who's informing them and teaching them, facilitating, helping them grow in that academic world, but that social emotional piece is just as valid, if not more important in some cases, um, for the teacher to engage in. So when it comes to staff wellness, um, you know, learning techniques like breathing or taking 10 minutes to stretch or a positive affirmation or some sort of five minute meditation during the lunch hour. If perhaps there is a lunch hour or, uh, you know, maybe it's just a break in between classes. Those are all habits that teachers can then teach their their students. So for example, I just spent some time at a local suburban high school prior to final exams to talk to students about what healthy ways they could engage in, what healthy um, habits they could engage in prior to 
taking final exams. Um, we talked about what they could fuel their body with that was better than Coke and donuts, <laughs> what they could do physically, you know, instead of sitting for 10 hours straight studying, maybe they could get up every few minutes. So um, there are a lot of schools that are reaching out now to not only work with their staff, but also with their students to help them understand how taking care of themselves is more important than um, you know, that go, go, go mentality, which eventually leads to burnout, which doesn't lead to success. So I know that you have a, a lot of educators as clients, myself included. So how do you see your work with those specific clients that are educators impacting their lives, either personally or professionally? So when I work with a client who is in education, any client for that matter, but specifically clients that are in education, what I have, what they've told me, the feedback they've given me is they're a much more content, calmer uh, individual, both at the workplace and at home. So if they're going to be entering a work situation that they know is going to be controversial or perhaps upsetting in some way, they have coping skills to not get worked up right away within the first 10 minutes of a conversation they know might lead to an emotion taking over. At home, um, if there's teenagers in the house, they may be a little less reactive to some of the antics that may go on at home. Um, I have clients in business as well and, uh, you know, in, in the world of high finance where, you know, millions of dollars of transactions are taking place every minute and their livelihood depends on the commission from that transaction and remaining calm is important. Um, being present at home, not missing those small moments with your kids. Um, you know, we're in this holiday season where you want to absorb and enjoy everything and not go through the motions. So being present and being able to fully engage in work and home life is one of the goals or outcomes pretty much every client I have worked with has for themselves. Because many of them are on autopilot. They're just cruising along. Uh, things are flying by. <laughs> They're almost like on a high-speed Amtrak train. And before they know it, it's December. Those resolutions went out the window in January. So rather than working on quick fixes, I work on long-term lasting changes in behavior, which ultimately will bleed and blend from personal to work life. There's no, there's no line between the two. If you're a more calm, more focused, more um, disciplined individual, that of course will translate to both home and work life. Okay, so wellness coaching, that, that sounds a little weird to me. Um, does this mean I'm now going to have to do yoga? Because you know I don't like yoga, Lucia. <laughs> um, walk us through what, what is wellness coaching, especially if somebody's listening and they're kind of like, wow, everything she just said really resonates with me, but I'm still really unclear what, what, what does that mean, especially when you work with clients? So my business, Irini Yoga and Wellness, um, yes, has the title yoga in it because yoga is, a, is a, an area that I also engage in in terms of my work. But uh, Irini, by the way, is the Greek word for peace. So when I came up with my business name, I had been seeking peace in my body and in my mind. And so I felt it was appropriate to name um, my business after that Greek word, and I am 100% Greek, so it, it was fitting. But wellness coaching um, in other countries has been pretty popular and mainstream for a long time, for a couple decades now. So there's a couple ways I can work with clients and how wellness coaches work in general in this industry. One is they work in partnership with a medical doctor, a medical professional. So a typical uh, patient will go see their doctor maybe a couple times a year if they're relatively healthy and have that 
15, 20 minute, maybe half hour appointment. And the doctor may find the blood pressure's high or the cholesterol's a little high, or maybe they're bordering on, you know, diabetes, they might be pre-diabetic. And the doctor might say to them, Shelly, you're going to need to cut back on those cookies or, you know, we'll give you some medicine for the cholesterol. Um, so they're definitely trained, obviously, the knowledge is there, the, the medical knowledge, but they are, they are lacking the time to spend with that patient to work on those lasting behavior changes that occur in between those annual appointments. So a lot of times I will get a patient that a doctor has and they'll refer them to me and they'll say, Shelly has great intentions. She really wants to lower her, her cholesterol and get off of that medication, but she just needs that accountability, that support, that roadmap, that guideline. So in that case, I would work with that client. We start by creating a wellness vision. What is it that you see yourself as, uh, you know, as a person when you're optimi- when you're at your optimum thriving capacity? So I move, a, I move a client from surviving life to thriving. So they may say things like, I see myself being in control of my health and happiness. I see myself being energetic and playing with my kids. Um, any one of those visions, they're all self-created. And then from there, we set long-term goals. So three months from now, I want to um, have a regular exercise routine. And then weekly, that's where the crux of our work comes in. I meet with that client. Usually it's virtually over the phone or, or, or Skype of, of any kind of video chatting. And we work on what the goal setting um, should be and how they manage to be successful or not be successful. The entire coaching is approach from a standpoint of positive psychology. So I focus on what the client did well, and we try to replicate those little wins all along the way for the entire time we're working together so that we don't get mired down in the what I didn't do right, because there's always something you did right. So even during this holiday season, if someone comes to me and says, oh, I didn't meet my goal of eating three healthy uh, you know, lunches this week, I'll say, well, did you eat one healthy lunch? And they'll say, well, yes, I did. And then we'll go in depth about what conditions made it so that they were able to eat that healthy lunch. How did they feel physically and emotionally? So they try to replicate that success. And it's literally like an onion. The layers peel back over and over and over. And generally, I work with clients on a number of issues. It could be stress and time management. It could be weight. It could be exercise. It could be relationships, self-esteem. Anything that impacts your well-being, finances, that's a big one, right? Budgeting and, and lack, of, lack of budget. So anything that impacts your state of well-being so that you're in a state of survival instead of thriving is an area I focus on. And tell me a little bit more about some of the work you've done with school systems. Sure. And where wellness really intersects with the school system, maybe even how, what recommendations you would have for um, somebody who might be in a position to make some change in wellness in both staff and students. Sure. Um, It runs the gamut. From a student standpoint, I have been brought in to um, teach yoga to um, different groups of students. A lot of the groups I work with our athletes. Um, and so right away you might think, okay, you know, that makes sense. It's a, it's a form of training or conditioning. Um, but for example, I worked with, um, a high school swim team and they really wanted to not only focus on building shoulder strength and all the the body parts that are important to be strong for swimming, but they um, had a focus on breath because that's very important in swimming as well. And their coach actually uh, requested that I also end each practice with meditation and mindfulness. So being very present in their you know, competition season. And so student athletes are definitely an area that um, 
I'm sought, people seek, seek me out for. And then I've had um, schools that have brought me in to teach yoga to the staff um, as a way for them to find relief. It's convenient. It's after work. They basically can, you know, we clear out a classroom. <laughs> I bring the yoga mats and there's no travel involved. It's a nice way to end the day. Um, I've been brought in, much like I mentioned um, a couple weeks ago, I was at a local suburban high school talking to kids about how to um, cope with final exams in a healthy way. Um, I was at another district that I presented at um, with uh, to the support staff. So primarily um, the support staff that works in classrooms with special needs students and how to approach their work with special needs students in a positive framework. Um, I also, at that same district, did um, a chair yoga session, so how you can incorporate some self-care tactics during the day. So it was a combination, almost a smorgasbord workshop where we did some chair yoga. I demonstrated different breathing techniques, and then we talked about the use of essential oils at work and um, some mindfulness and meditation work as well. So it really runs the gamut. It depends on what each school is looking for, but it, it definitely has transcended from just bringing me in from, to student to, you know, to teach yoga to student athletes to now, hey, our staff could actually use some of this as well. Um, and so it's been, it's been a really um, wonderful opportunity for me because I, I loved being an educator. I loved being in the schools. And now that I'm able to bridge um, my new love and interest and work with my, um, you know, my long-term career, it's, it's almost like the best of both worlds for me. And I get it. I get what it's like. I, I have so many friends right now that are just waiting for Friday as they know that holiday break is coming. And I understand that stress very much firsthand. Is it surprising to you that this wellness thing has turned into something like, is that surprising? You've been in school systems, you know, and you spoke a lot about the stress you had. Um, just from your vantage point, I'm curious, and from your experience working with different you know, school systems, and you've been in several different school systems, I mean, is it does it seem odd? Because again, that whole yoga and mindfulness, that sounds like something that you know weirdos in California do. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it's starting to turn. I think there. Um, I had once had a, a friend say that it has a public relations image problem, um, and you know, it, it it really does because all it all it all mindfulness and meditation and yoga and self care and wellness means is taking care of yourself, having a relationship with yourself that is a priority. And we are notorious as teachers, as educators, to put ourselves last. Our students come first, and then we have to go home and we have to take care of our families, and then maybe I have time for myself. And generally what happens is when you don't take care of yourself, you are so far less effective as a teacher, as a mother, as a spouse, as, as a you know daughter, name any role, right? So I know that people who know me now and who've known me for the last 10 years have said that they don't even recognize me in the sense that I'm just a lot more even keeled. I don't get worked up about things. Um, I don't fly off the handle when things just don't go the way they should go. And so I, I'm not I'm not surprised that more and more schools are seeking me out. Um, I, I think that the tide has turned. There's a lot more mainstream um, information out there available to people about what wellness is, what yoga can do for you. Um, and so I, I, th I think it's being embraced more. 
I also think that there is just article after article after article coming out about the mental health and anxiety, you know, in our kids, the, the, the crisis we're facing and what we've been doing isn't working. It's not working. And so we have to find answers and those answers lie in taking care of yourself mentally, physically. It, they, they're not separate, by the way. If, if you're mentally stressed, it affects you physically. If you're physically stressed, it affects you mentally. So the two intersect, and we're seeing that in huge numbers in our schools um, with kids who are hospitalized, who um, you know need to take breaks from school, lots of sick days that aren't really sick days, but they're more mental health days. And these are 15, 16-year-old kids. And in adults, and, and adults are doing that as well. Um, so I think that... Um, I, I teach in a lot of corporate settings, and I will say the companies that I am employed at where I come in to do either lunch and learns on wellness topics or I, I teach regular yoga at quite a few companies, those employees are happy. They're so happy. They're so happy to come to lunch and stretch for 45 minutes, and they go back to their office and they change. And I mean, they're just, you know, they talk, they talk about the culture at their company. And yes, they have stress. It's not like, you know, uh, nirvana. I mean, every job has stress. But those companies that have invested in their employees' well-being see that greater return of productivity. They see less sick days being being utilized. Uh, they see happy employees. And that's one thing I don't think education has, does a good job thinking through is how to do that. Time often is the variable that gets crunched and Exactly. And I think, you know, education's a different beast. We're on a bell schedule. We operate nine months out of the year. Literally everything shuts down and then you pick right back up again. And so there's a lot of starting and stopping. Um, you know, it's a public entity. So there is, um, you know, community you have to be responsible to and, and answer questions to in case there is skepticism about what's going on in the school. So there, there are different elements. I get that. Um, I think that is why a lot of schools do seek me out is because, um, I have credibility as an educator. I have credibility now in this wellness industry, and I think that people know that I get it. They know that I know how to talk to teenagers. Many people are actually afraid of talking to teenagers. Um, I actually enjoy them. Um, you know, uh, when I when I presented at a, a local district to the parapros, they are often a group that is very. Um, they feel neglected. They feel they're, you know, second-class citizens that, you know, they're overlooked, they're not valued. And, um, you know, I couldn't stress enough to them how they were so important and how I know, I, I know, and I, I said that to them and like their eyes lit up like, wow, this lady gets it. Maybe I'll sit up a little straighter and listen to her because maybe what she has to say, I'll listen. So, you know, I get it. I've worked with parapros. I, you know, I understand the class, if you will, quote unquote, system that occurs in schools and how people might not feel that they're important you know, and, and, and what I say to everybody is the maintenance staff to the principal, to the superintendent, everyone in between that's an adult in that building is important. But to have someone from the outside say that who's actually been in schools, I think resonates a little more. Um, at least I think so. Maybe that's why schools keep calling me. I don't know. <laughs> what kind of advice would you give a school system who is interested in focusing on the adult wellness in a building? One of my key recommendations would be to not make wellness a standalone event. So oftentimes during American Education Week or National Teacher Week, there's massage chair, massage uh, therapists that come in or a chiropractic office, and it's uh, you know seen as a one-time event. There's often wellness screenings, which is more of the diagnostic testing that gets done. I would recommend it be infused weekly 
if not daily. So maybe that means forming a committee of interested individuals to brainstorm what wellness in their building looks like. Wellness can be as simple as creating positive emotions, which let's face it, there's not a lot of that sometimes in schools or at particular times of the year. So one example could be creating a gratitude jar in each department or in each area of the building or office. And every week filling that jar with colorful post-its, get a rainbow of colors, you know, have fun, get some fun markers and put something in that jar that you find you're appreciative of. I'm appreciative that we have heat in the building on this cold January day. Cause let's face it, some schools don't even have proper heat. I mean, I've worked with schools in the inner city and that is a luxury. Or it can be very personal. I appreciate my colleague John's um, chili that he brought in today. Or that Susie always stops and says hello to me on my way in when she's um, ushering traffic in on the parking lot. So at the end of the week, reading those things, right, taking time to read those, that's going to create some positive feelings. Um, I think it can be... Um, a committee that can come up with a number of ideas that can be implemented cross building and cross departments. If it's a high school and everyone's departmentalized and separated, I think it can be anything from let's have a healthy snack Friday because that's another area of wellness. Schools are notorious for those Dunkin' Donut boxes and all kinds of food that maybe isn't great for you. So coming up with a wellness challenge, um, Maybe it's a mindful Monday moment that everybody um, shares. Oh, you know, I actually took a different route to my classroom today, and I never noticed that beautiful piece of artwork that was up on the wall. So sharing something mindful. Um, certainly, if there is the ability to bring in um, an outside person to um, do some stretching and some physical activity like yoga or, heck, get a Zumba class going if you can, right? I mean, anything that the staff is interested in. So touching on all the layers, the physical aspect, the nutritional aspect, the exercise, the mindfulness, um, all of that, I would say, can be implemented in a building, but it needs to be ongoing. It can't be a one-trick pony um, because when it's a one-trick pony, it's seen as a luxury and wellness is not a luxury. Well-being is a necessity to functioning at that thriving level. One of the trends I heard in the recommendations you just gave was, and, and I think you said it, but I want to really emphasize it, is that wellness isn't episodic and it's not just targeting some people who might be not feeling well, but it really becomes a culture that wellness is a priority and wellness is something that we need to pay attention to in our adults, especially if we want our adults to then also help our students understand those pieces of that. Is there anything else that I'm missing in, in sort of my analysis of what you just said? No, I think that's exactly what I was saying. I think it's not episodic. It's a daily, it's a daily, it should be a daily habit, um, you know, and you can come up with something catchy every day, mindful Monday, wellness Wednesdays, um, you know, anything that really is catchy for the staff and the leadership needs to be on board with that. So whatever um, committee is formed or, or special interest group or whatever label you want to put on it, you know, get your principals involved, get your assistant principals involved, heck, get the district people involved 
involved. I mean, those those uh, members of the building sit more than any anybody else. I know, having been a former administrator, I felt my shoulders rounding by the minute in every you know hour plus meeting I was at. You know, when I was in the classroom, at least I was moving a little bit more. But physically, I definitely saw my body change when I became an administrator. Um, so you know, I just think it needs to come from the top and go all the way through every level. Um, you know, I mentioned earlier all those different. Um, you know, individuals in the school that, that, you know, the the cafeteria workers, you know, anybody that's an adult in your building that comes in contact with kids that sets off that energy to a child of I'm grumpy and I'm not feeling well is going to impact the student um, directly or indirectly. So if you can get every single player involved, heck, get the parents involved. I mean, they make it a community event. Why not? I think the more people are involved, the more they won't see it as episodic. They'll see it as a, as a vital way to functioning in their daily routine. So is there anything else you want to share with the audience that we have not already touched upon? You know, I think as adults, we take for granted that our lot in life, it is what it is. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just an angry person or I'm overweight or I've always had an issue with eating too much or I'm not an exerciser. We, we label ourselves a lot. Um, I have, I have no time. I mean, that's the biggest one. Like if I could create 48 hours for everybody, I would. And so You know, when I was at a crossroads, um, and I'm a very open book, if you go to my website, www.areniyogawellness.com, I have a blog up there, not a lot of entries because I'm new to it, but um, I'm a very open book. I, I I hit rock bottom pretty hard financially, spiritually, mentally, physically, you name it. And I did make those changes. So I think if I could say, you know, just really emphasize, there is a way to make change. And Wellness coaches are equipped to help you figure that change process out. Basically, what I like to say is we connect the dots between who you are and who you want to be. So just saying to yourself, I'm not an exerciser, if you keep saying that, you're not going to ever be someone who exercises. So we start small. Just start walking. We don't need to be Ironman triathletes. We just need to move. And then from there, you know, you start to like, hey, I feel success. I walked for an hour. I feel pretty good. And now I'm a little sharper mentally. Maybe I'll try that again tomorrow. So I think that I would like to let people know that you can change. I, I, I changed in so many ways. And, and by the way, I'm not done changing. Um, I slip back into my old habits from time to time. I, I always say uh, wellness is not linear. It, it's up and down. Um, I'm in business for myself now. There's a lot of my self-care that goes out the window because I'm busy taking care of others. So a lot of the stuff I preach, sometimes I don't practice, but the difference is I have the tools. I have the resiliency. I have the mindset and I know what behaviors to implement. So I don't let myself go too long anymore into that dark side. Um, but people can make changes. They can live a life that's thriving. They don't have to just survive and be in neutral. You, you can do it. You just need the right tools and a coach to help you along the way. Awesome. Um, thank you so much, Lucia, for your time. I really appreciate um, your, your honesty, your um, rawness with, I think, myself and with just listeners um, to really share an, what I think is a really important piece around social-emotional learning and for schools to really consider the larger piece. So, again, thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having me. That was Lucia Mastrodemus sharing how important it is for educators to focus on their own well-being, especially during these times of high-stakes testing, 
accountability, and teachers being asked to do more with less. Any school or district interested in learning more about wellness can visit Lukia's website at iriniyogawellness.com. That's E-R-I-N-I yogawellness.com. For more information about CEC, visit cecweb.org.